Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I love that we started out, Shady rocked us out with that passage of scripture. And, you know, that's probably one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is whenever I'm, you know, I'm picturing, I'm picturing the whole scene in like this, like great drama, you know, and I'm thinking about Jesus, you know, as he knows what he's getting ready to go face and the thing that he wanted to make sure that was recorded was for unity to be our goal and our aim. You know, I, I think I've preached on it before, but, you know, it's kind of like your last will and testament, you know, like you're sitting down with all the people that you love, you know, and you're kind of telling them your final goodbyes, you know, the things that you might have even been too afraid to say before, you know, that's the time when you get to really um, have a synopsis of what their life is meaning. And then I think about Jesus that, that for Jesus, that he said that the world will know your mind by how well you unify, how well you love. That's a really, really big call. And so that tells me that, that if we're gonna unify in love, that means that there's a lot of things in us that we have to let go of. You know, it's kind of like we have so many preferences or we may have even um, fundamental truths that we will not be able to unify with somebody because of something different that we believe. And I'm thinking, man, like, you know, if you were to look at the disciples, they were a really unusual bunch they were. You know, they they weren't all the same personality, obviously. You know, they were all very different in their approach. But they had the one thing. They had the one thing that their whole lives, that as it, it surrounded Jesus, that was the thing that they knew that was the one thing that they lived for. It was the one thing that, that attracted them all together was Jesus. And that unity of Jesus, of, of the core belief of who Jesus is, that shifted world as we knew it. It was a group of people that were not all really, I love the chosen. The chosen really, I think, really gives it some good justice, you know, just how much they probably got on each other's nerves, you know, just the reality of it. But, you know, that, but they knew that they knew that Jesus was the thing that unified them. And I just feel um, I'm going to be talking about building some more. And um, I'm coming at it from the angle of our teams, building teams. And don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. I can feel the heart, I think, behind what, what kind of 
what kind of entrance into people's lives when there's a unified front? You know, like how does how does unity really impact the world around us? I think that that's something that we don't know. We don't get we don't get the finality of what unity does completely. I think that we were given a model on earth that was supposed to resemble unity and that, that was marriage. That was supposed to be the picture perfect. This is the ultimate in unity. And then, of course, as things have progressed, it's there's been such an assault on marriage and you know how that then got distorted. And so I think that the level of unity that God really meant is something that will be so attractive to the lost. And I think that that's one thing that turns them off so much is that how within the body there's so many disagreements and so much disunity. And so I want to just talk a little bit about just where we're going as a tribe and what we're what we're called to and you know all that he's been speaking to our house I I really just feel so fortunate that um, we're such a house under such a waterfall of revelation and his words and you know we're not um, we are not impoverished on prophetic words by any means and I love that about our house. Um, you know, I'll go back just a little bit. Um, whenever we were doing the uh, the boards for all of the different teams and we were working on the expansion board and I was thinking about the passage um, about enlarging our tents and increased our dwelling. And I started really thinking about that. And it's just been on my mind a lot. Like, what are ways, you know, it's not just, um, it's not just finances, it's our hearts. How can we make more room? How, how can we keep enlarging the way that we're seeing our, our level of influence, our level of favor? How, how can we steward our lives in a way that really begins to expand who we are as a people and as we are as a group, as a whole? And it was really funny because I don't even know how all these puzzle pieces are working together. But um, I was also thinking about Gideon and who Gideon was. And so I actually, um, Daddy gave me just a little short word about Gideon and us. I'll go ahead and read it real quick. I'm going to use the small and what some would call insignificant. I'm going to use the small in numbers to prove who I am, to prove what I see. When I look, I don't look at the numbers of the army. I look at the heart of what I made. It's why I chose Gideon. I didn't choose Gideon from what he looked like in the present. I chose him by what I made in him. I chose him because I knew who he was all along. Say all along. I wasn't turned off by his smallness. I called him into his capacity he had in me. Say in me. Yeah. 
So it is with this tribe. I see the hearts and desires of each one of you. I see the unadulterated hearts of the ones that love me fully. I call you my army of love. I call you my chosen ones. Don't look at your numbers and judge what you see. Look what I am about to do with one heart saying yes. May I have your yes in a new way. May I have your devotion to serve only me. Of course, we say yes, Daddy. We say yes to that. So he was talking to me about Gideon. And you know, what's really interesting about Gideon is it starts out, I'm going to read in Judges 6, but it's just going to be for a second, so you may not even need to turn. Um, it says, once again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of Yahweh. So Yahweh handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. In the footnotes, the uh, Midianites, it says the nomadic Midianites were descendants of Abraham's concubine, Keturah. Midian means strife or contending. Moses married the daughter of Jethro, a Midianite. The Midianites lived in Arabia and eventually were incorporated into the Arabian tribes. Symbolically, Midian is an illustration of compromise with the world and the strife that results. Midian and Moab had attempted to persuade Balaam to curse Israel, and it was the Midianite and Moabite women who seduced Israel. So just let me just all just, I will make it a synopsis. But so basically, you know, God had told Gideon that he wanted to use Gideon, and we all know what Gideon was doing, right? Gideon was over in the wine press, and he wasn't doing stuff that he was supposed to be doing. I'll read this thing. It says, it says, his son Gideon was secretly threshing some wheat in a wine press so that the Midianites would not go see him. And I just have to read this because it's so cute. Oh, dang, where'd it go? Hold on. One sec. See, this is one of those times whenever they don't quite work the way you want them to. It says, wheat was not threshed in a wine press, but an open, elevated place where the wind could blow the chaff away. Jewish and Christian traditions hold that Gideon was a timid, somewhat cowardly man who made excuses concerning himself and his family. God was going to do in Gideon what Gideon was doing with wheat, thresh his heart and remove the chaff of unbelief from his true identity. Yes, God called Gideon to be a hero who would deliver Israel. God rescued a man God rescued a nation by first rescuing a man from his unbelief. Many believers today can draw strength and revelation from the wonderful story of Gideon. I'm going to tie that together. What the Holy Spirit was talking to me about was this mighty army of us. Say, that's me. 
I'm part of the mighty army. That there are some things in this building process and in, in building our teams and really deciding to do things in a unified manner that we have to be willing to check some things in us that keep us from fully being able to uh, mesh together in the team. And whenever we take on small-minded ways, if we're small in our belief, if we're small in what I believe about me, what I believe about you, then that actually permeates into the team. It actually can adulterate the truth of what God is wanting to do in this tribe and in all of our hearts. And so since we are the sum of the whole, right, you and you and you make up the whole of us. So if the whole of us doesn't actively go after the things that keep us from growing strong and keep us from being unified as a whole, then it affects us all. Then, then we don't step into the place that God has for us. So um, in James 4, I'm going to read from the Passion. Uh, yes, from Passion. It says, what is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Is it because they just don't know what they're doing? Is it because they just don't know? That's not what it says. It says, doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? You jealousy want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. That's it. Ugh. Say it. And all the time you don't obtain what you really want because you won't ask God for it. And if you ask, you won't receive it for you're asking with corrupt motives, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. You have become spiritual adulterers who were having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's value places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover, say jealous lover, who intensely desires to have more and more of us? I really want for you to begin to think about as you're building these teams, what is your approach as you're going in? Do you have a heart of service? Do you have a heart of wanting to pull another up? Do you have a heart of wanting to bring out the best in others? Do you have a heart? to do anything in any capacity, no matter what is needed? Or are you coming into it expecting that you're going to have a certain need met 
or that you're coming with this set of gifts. And so there should automatically be a place at the very tip top. Are you, are you coming in as, as a person that is looking at your teammates and saying, okay, this is what I know God is saying about them. How can I begin to treat them like what I know God is saying about them? See, th these are the things that as you're, as you're thinking about the teams that you signed up for, that's the heart we have to have behind it. We have to have a heart that is building on what Jesus modeled. Chudy said it at the very beginning, a place of unity. It's a place of building each other up. So, you know, I think only you can know when you were signing up for the different teams, you know, was, was the, what was your heart position like? I'm not, this isn't for you to say right now, this is for you to take home and talk about it with the Holy Spirit. But what was your internal, um, your internal uh, viewpoint of the things that you were deciding to do? Were you deciding to build these different areas because you were hoping to receive something back? Or were you really doing it to just serve the one and serve others? See, I, I, can, I can feel this thing when, you know, it's kind of like I can see different levels of... Um, uh, I don't want to say this, but it's the only way I know how to say it. Different levels of attack, basically, that the enemy uses. And I think that it, it can begin at the top, you know, where really um, just hitting at the leaders, hitting just, you know, maybe at even the vision to be able to go out and do something. But then I can see another level, how he infects different places and, you know, team members are great. You know, how can, how can division get sown or how can selfishness get sown or how can, um, being, um, self-promoting, how can that get in there and what that really does to the team. And so I just want for you to check your heart now and deal with any kind of heart things as you go in to serving your new team members. And you have to be able to know what it is that you're wanting to bring. Are you going to bring the powerful you, the powerful not Gideon or post Gideon? Which, which would it be? It would be post, well, you have the part before he had the revelation and then after. So it'd be post-revelation, Gideon. The one that says, I know who I am and I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm about and I can do this. I mean, like, have you, y'all should go back and read the story. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it, but it's insane how they won. Like God set them up so amazing. And it's all because he decided to say yes. And he decided to go ahead. He did fleece God to death, but that's okay though. That's okay. He just needed a little bit of extra. He had to have been a melon. He had to have been a melon. He needed some extra, some umph to make sure that I'm not going to mess everything up. But I just really want to just encourage you to really do some work with you and the Holy Spirit
on what is going to be the positioning of your heart in your building. What do you want to build? So we've got the one building and we've got the building of a team, but then you yourself carry something. You've got to build something in here that then everybody else gets to experience. So what are you building in here? What is it you're building? Are you building, looking at your teammates and saying, wow, look how amazing you are. Wow, look, God, look what God is doing in your life. Wow, I see you have this amazing call. Or, or are you like, yeah, they should have done that right. Well, yeah, they got to do that. And I really wanted to be the one that did that. They didn't say hi to me. And so I'm not going to say hi to them. You know, what, what are you doing in your inner man? What are you contributing to the team? <clears throat> I love that we get to start out really, really small, just in our own little hearts. What is it? What, what is it that I want to build in my heart? What do I want to bring to you? What do I want to have cultivated at home and I come here? What do I want to splash on you? Do y'all think about that? Do you think about when you're at home and you're like, okay, well, I'm feeling really crummy, not in a good mood. I'm going to go infect everybody with my crumminess, not feeling like I'm feeling great. Or do you get your best self and say, it doesn't matter how I feel. I'm going to go and I'm going to be with my team members and I'm going to really just worship. I'm going to give God all he's worth. I'm going to encourage my friends. I'm going to beat up on the enemy. What, what is it like for you personally? See the enemies, I think one of his greatest tools that he uses is just tries to get us to think about ourselves all the time. I mean, that's the greatest way to keep us from thinking about God is I'll just think about me. I'll think about me and how I feel about this and how I don't feel about it. In Galatians, Galatians 5, we've been in Galatians 5, 25 and 26. It says, now since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, Let's keep each step in perfect sync with God's spirit. Say, say each step in perfect sync with God's spirit. This will happen when we set aside our self-interest and work together to create true community instead of a culture consumed by provocation, pride, and envy. I think it's just such a big deal on the heart of God that, you know, I think sometimes there can be a response to pain. You know, there can be a response that, um, you know, maybe a low self-esteem or low value system. The response to that is, you know, we can um, begin to look outward and 
critique and pick on other people or we can judge other people. And I just really feel this stirring that God is that God is wanting to do something with this tribe. And it's so important that we deal with any things in our heart that is envious, that that is not that you're not able to celebrate when other people get things like it's really a big deal. And that actually keeps us from receiving things that God wants to give us. That, that actually can be something that blocks us off from the goodness of what he's wanting to distribute. And so it doesn't just affect you, it affects us all, since we're all together as a team. Because we, we all need each other, and we all affect each other greatly. Whenever you're on a team, do you feel like that you're able to really celebrate, oh, that's not good. Do you feel like you're able to celebrate um, the team well, or do you feel like you need personal acknowledgement when something happens? See, I can always tell when somebody doesn't really know who they are by the level of everything needing to go back to them. Everything goes back to them. I said this. I did this. This is because of this. I did it. Like I can, I you. It's a it's a really good um, signal that they're not quite sure of who they are. They don't have a really good handle on what God says about them. So if you find yourself using a lot of that language. If you find yourself in the middle of like God did this amazing thing and you keep needing to bring it back to you, that's a signpost. It's that, it's that, you know, that picture in the mall that says you are here. That's what that is. It's that you are here. And it's just a sign that there's a place that you've got to do some daddy heart work to know how he feels about you and know who you are so that you don't need all the attention on you. See, that really, really hurts a team. It hurts a team when the team members are needing the glory for themselves. It hurts the team. It hurts the people in the team. But I think, you know, that's one of those things that I feel like it grieves the Holy Spirit you know, that here, you know, like the Holy Spirit, see, I'll, I'll hear it. Like, I'll hear like this amazing thing that the Holy Spirit did. And then somehow it starts getting twisted in to something that how this other person made it happen. And I think that that's like, man, like, let's let the Holy Spirit have the glory. We don't need the glory. We don't need it. We don't need it. Say, I don't need it. But I think, you know, that just doesn't bring a whole lot of unity to the team. And so those are just good things for you to think about, um, you know, as you're getting ready to um, really take new ground in teamwork. You know, like I had never I had never been on a team. I didn't play sports, although I did play soccer. I paid, played soccer one game. And I'll just tell you about my one game. 
I played it one time. Okay, I, I'm sure that I had been to practice. I don't even remember going to practice, but surely I had to have gone to practice. But they thought they could put me back by the goalie, that that was going to be a safe position for me. But what I did was I bent down to see the goalie needed help because the goalie obviously wasn't doing very good. And so I picked the ball up and I handed it to the goalie. And I don't know if you know this, but in soccer, you can't, you can't touch it. Can't touch it. And I didn't understand why everybody was so mad about it because I was helping. I was just being, I was being part of the team. I was helping, but that didn't work. They, that wasn't the kind of help they needed. But, you know, I had never been on a team before. And I had such low self-esteem that, you know, I didn't really feel like I had a lot to bring. And so then whenever I did bring something, well, that made me want to celebrate it because, oh, I do have something. Oh, it's not true. I do have something to bring. I, I'm not just a whatever. And, and I can sense that that is going on in some of our lives right now. It's all from, it's not from a, it's not like from a bad motive or anything. It's just that it's one of those things that whenever we haven't had a lot of heart healing, then it just, it's just kind of a cause and effect thing. So I'll leave that with you and you can work that out with you and daddy. It was really interesting because I was thinking about, um, um, the unadulterated heart. And then I got a text or not. It wasn't a text. It was an email about an adulterated heart. And um, it was saying whenever you mingle a little bit of God stuff with a little bit of worldly stuff, you know, that's really what it's about. And <clears throat> I was thinking about our team members and how we're going to be building these united teams. And I think it's just a really good time for you to check to see if there's anything that you're bringing in from another system or another culture that doesn't quite go with the new thing that we're building. And um, I think that was really big in the story of Gideon, that he they were going after a people that they actually had things in their life that they had allowed... Um, they had a, they had made some allowances. They had made some allowances to come in that were not godly, and then how that affects the team, how that affected the whole that whole race of people. And so I just feel like that this is just a call as we're going into this new team building. It really is a time for you to begin to just ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there's anything that needs to be cleared away, so that what you're bringing is going to be really edifying to everybody else. Does that sound? Can y'all do that? <laughs> you know, I think even, you know, even ways that we learned in business, you know, I was talking to him about myself personally, that I, I've come from business and 
I have dealt dealt things, dealt with things a certain way, just in a business mind. And he was talking to me about how he wanted to give me new ways of seeing. And so my new ways of seeing, I had to let go of how I was seeing. Not that this is even bad. It's not bad. It's not like it's dirty or wrong. It's just a system that I learned that is going to be in conflict with the new system that he's wanting to bring. And so all that to say, just in all the ways, all the different teams you're going to be in, you have to really be willing to let go of what you feel like is what you know or is the right way because I think God is wanting to give us new ways to do things. And so you can't be so dead set on holding on to your way because if you're with the team, then that's just not going to wait. That's not going to work. You could just go do that at home by yourself. So, you know, I'm just really asking the Holy Spirit. Okay, Holy Spirit, show me places that I can really yield more to you and let go of ways that I have personally believed and thought and acted like I want to give room to other teammates to really be able to give their own personal opinions, their own thoughts. And I can't hold on to my things so much that I can't let other people in. So that's another thing we've got to really be able to, um, clerics, hear me. You've got to be willing to let go of your way. You've got to be willing to let go of your way so that the team can have their way. Can y'all do that? And it may feel really, really strong. It may feel really, really strong. It may even feel wrong. It will. I remember, I remember whenever Teresa first started talking to me about gray. And I was heavily offended by that because there was not gray. It was black and it was white and it was one or the other. And so I remember she was, she was talking about one, one for instance. And I was so mad that she was trying to give me a, a little different way of viewing it that was in the gray. And I was so offended by that because I just almost thought that was heresy because no, it's either this or it's that. I'm like, man, how far I've come. Whew, how far I've come. But all that to say is we all have places that for us are really, really strong. We're very staunch in. And God is going to be asking for us to do this so that we can let go of our own stuff. That's real freedom. That's freedom. It is. In Philippians, in Philippians 2, I'm out of the passion. It says, look at how much encouragement you found in your relationships with the anointed one. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, say one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride, fear,
filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. See, that's really big because... See, the Holy Spirit will always show us things in our heart if we really want to know them. And I also firmly believe that we go that we go through life not knowing the things that are in our hearts. I don't believe that. I think that we can get to the point where we don't listen to him and we can get to the point where we deaden our ears to be able to hear. But I think that the Holy Spirit is always present wanting to help us see what needs to be cleared from our hearts so that we can operate purely and and work together well and so you can't ever say well I didn't know that about me you can't say it because at any point we could get with the Holy Spirit and we could say Holy Spirit can you show me Can you show me where I'm at? Can you show me how I'm feeling about whatever, the people at work or the people that just pulled out in front of me? Like, there's so many ways for the Holy Spirit to come in and really reveal what is hiding in our hearts. We can't do it. I can't do it. I cannot go on a search and rescue mission because... I have done that. I have a PhD doctorate in that, and it doesn't work. But with the Holy Spirit, he will come along and he will show you the things that are hiding that will destroy unity. Because that's really what we're going for. We're wanting to build teams of unity. With unity, it can't be the one-person show. It's... It's the, the team. It's the team. So back to the scripture. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. And consider this the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Have you ever been talking to people that whenever you're trying to talk to them about something that happened with your day and you can tell that they're, they're wanting to hurry up and get in there because they've got what they want to say, you know? And so then it's like, you just kind of don't even want to say anything anymore. You just kind of want to step aside and just let them talk. You know, just, y'all just, you just go right ahead. I think that doesn't really promote this place of wanting to have some real engagement. And so I would just say, check yourselves if that's how you do teamwork. Because if that's what's going on, chances are you're not really getting to know anybody. You don't know them and they don't know you because all you're doing is just talking and it's not really even about something deep. And and I think that this house is a house that loves depth. Like we love to see 
Like we want the deep things like I like Aaron. I want to know the deep things in Aaron's heart. Like I don't care. Like I I mean, I love I love hearing about his day. I love hearing all that stuff. But it's really about the deep things like that's our places of connection. And if and if you hijack uh, conversations, just telling about yourself, that's not going to build unity in your teams. So this is just me helping you. And then people will want to actually sit and have a conversation with you if you can learn how to make it about, you know, it's kind of like a give and receive, you know, I'm listening, you know, that back and forth motion, not just talking at somebody. So we're talking about how to build teams. In case y'all don't know, that's what we're talking about. And Romans... Man, time flies, doesn't it? In Romans 12, 9, I'm going to start at 9. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. That's a good, right there. Try and do that. Be authentic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Not dull and bored and all religious. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people. And respond by helping them. Say helping them. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. I hear y'all got a chance to do that on Friday when people were saying things. Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset, thinking you are too important to serve others. But be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. That's a good word right there. You know, like, it's kind of a thing that sometimes... Um, I think it happened, I remember whenever I was going to church as, um, I guess I was in elementary and grade school. And I remember that the pastors at the church I went to, like you couldn't talk to them. 
like they were kind of off limits, you know, like they were, that was kind of the holy man type thing. And, and I remember thinking that it seems so sad that like you couldn't even really know them. And, and I know that there's a thing that people, people get really weird in their heads that like if they're leaders or if they're put in like some kind of a leadership role that then they grow out of needing to actually serve in places. And I think that that's not obviously like Jesus because Jesus modeled well. He got down and he cleaned people's feet. But I think that that's really good to check yourself about in your heart. Do you do you keep yourself in a place where you don't feel like you're like too high and mighty about things or that maybe you don't want to do some things because that's outside what you would normally do? You could check yourself at work. Does, does this show up in work? Does this, well, I'm not going to do this because this, because I got this promotion and now I don't have to do that kind of stuff anymore because I'm, I'm up here now. Those are ways that those little things can hide in your heart and you've got to really go after them. You got to put yourself in situations that breaks that down in you, you know, go clean the toilet. You know, I, I love just the, just the, you know, the people that come and they take out the trash, they take the trash away. Like that's, I mean, yes, like that's what it's about. It's all of our trash. And so surely people could throw that away. But I think always be putting yourself in places where you have to really serve people. You have to serve people and you have to do things that aren't comfortable for you. You have to go out of the way to really cause your own soul to do things that it's not the preferred way. So, you know, all these things that you just, and I say this, and I know that, you know, we can just go do an action, but I'm, I'm trying to have you check heart motives. Okay, God, is there something about this that I, is there something in my heart that I can feel whenever this is being challenged in me? Because I think that that's just a good way to see that, okay, wait, like in a team mentality, that's not going to really work. You know, I have to be willing to help everybody and it's not the hierarchy type thing. Make sense? Um, I'm going to close it with just one more passage. Um, in First John 2, it says, don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world is incompatible. Say incompatible. For all that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance. That's really where I wanted to go, with the obsession with status and importance. And um, Brian's footnote said, these are the three areas of temptation that the serpent used with Adam and Eve in the garden to pull them away from the father and what the devil used to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. He is an expert at using these cravings to dilute our love for the father and cause us to turn our affections to the things of this life. But the values of the kingdom of God are setting our affections on things above, living in the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control and humility, which always waits for God's timing for promotion.
um, and it says, none of these things come from the Father, but from the world. So I think that that just as we're looking at building the teams, um, you know, just make sure that you're not searching for status or you're not trying to look a certain way. Okay, don't do it. Don't don't decide that you want to be on teams so that you can get something personally for it. Okay, because that that actually lures you over into the enemy's camp. And you really want to have a good heart on why you're saying yes to the things that you're saying yes to and why you're saying no to some of the things you're saying no to. Not some of it, all of it. But you've got to really know in your heart why you're doing the things that you're doing. And, you know, I think um, I'm really excited about everything that's going on in the house. I'm excited whenever I was just listening to people spills about their board and all the different teams. And I was thinking about all the people that we would be able to minister to. You know, I think that at the end of the day, that's what always has to be first and foremost on our hearts is that this is for people. It's, it's for, it is for the others that don't know him. It's for those that don't know what it's like to be loved. It's for those that don't know what it's like to have a family that they can actually come to and find love and acceptance. And, you know, that's really what we're building. And so if there's ever anything that you start thinking it's for you, man, it's really easy just to repent. Like, God made it so easy, you know, for us to say, okay, hold on. I know that I'm getting out of the reason why I'm even doing what I'm doing, you know, and just work with him on the heart work and, and really build for the right reasons, build for what, what is he giving you a real vision for? He, that's got to be the focus on why we're building what we're building. It's not so that you look a certain way with people. It's about him having his way through you through your life, and through the tribe. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.